Hey, Drew Scott here, and I'm Jonathan Scott, reminding you that life's better with a home policy from American Family Insurance. They can help you get just the right protection at just the right price and help you save when you bundle home and auto. Kind of like Goldilocks and the Three Bears. It'll be just right for you. We love a custom build. American Family Insurance. Insure carefully. Dream fearlessly. Get a quote and find an agent at AmFam.com. Products not available in every state. Visit AmFam.com to learn how discounts may apply to you. American Family Mutual Insurance Company, S.I. and its operating company, 6000 American Parkway, Madison, Wisconsin. A science story, huh? Scientists, they, I felt felt I felt right. And I just thought, well, it was that golden moment. Because science was on my side. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Story Collider, where we bring you true personal stories about science. We are your hosts, Aaron Barker and Liz Neely. For the first time in years, the Story Collider did not air a new episode last Friday. We also postponed the live show that would normally have occurred. Our mission is to tell stories about science, but we can't do that outside of the context of anti-Black and systemic racism. We felt it was important for us to hold a moment of silence for George Floyd, Breonna Taylor, Ahmaud Arbery, Tony McDade, and the countless other victims of police brutality. In the meantime, we decided to focus on elevating Black voices on our social media channels. You can find the playlist that we put together in the notes for this episode. One of them features stories of institutional racism, and the other is about Black joy, science, and life, because we believe that those stories are also vitally important. And we wanted to bring you this previously unaired story as a special episode. This story is from Roger Mitchell Jr. It was recorded in June 2019 at the Beer Baron Tavern in Washington, D.C. The theme of that night was Tipping Point. I remember when I was a third-year medical student uh, in New Jersey, in Newark, New Jersey, and I was on call um, for emergency medicine rotation. And when I was there, um, anytime you're on call as a medical student, you feel like a real physician. Um, and so we started at 9 p.m. and we would go to 9 a.m. And it was a Friday night and it wasn't that busy. Um, and so we were excited that it wasn't busy. So about 12 midnight, we all went to bed and uh, about two in the morning, the pagers went off and um, got up and wiped the cold out of my eyes and um, brushed my teeth and then met with my chief resident. And the chief resident told us we had two African-American men that had multiple gunshot wounds. But this was an opportunity to work with our, our chief surgeon. Um, and so we were to learn about these cases. And so we went down and you've all been to an emergency room before. Um, it's set up in these bays with these curtains, and uh, you could see that there was some work happening uh, behind the curtains, and they opened the curtain up. And it was my friend Mark. Now, I could tell it was Mark. I didn't have to see his face, but I, I could tell it was him. I saw his jeans and his, and his boots, and he was bleeding. 
And so I, I pushed past. I, I pushed past the, the nurse. I think I, I pushed a doctor and, and then I got to him and, and I remember grabbing his hand and looking down at his face. And he smiled at me. And he whispered. I said, what's going on? What happened? He said, they shot me. Yo, Raj, they, they shot me. And all I could do, all I could do was say, somebody help him! Somebody help! And my chief resident, he grabbed me, he moved me, she moved me out the way and she said, listen, you can't be here, you, you know him. I had met Mark, we'll call him Mark. I met him about six months ago, before this happened. And good guy, teacher. We lived in the same neighborhood. Um, but in Nork at that time, they were, uh, the gangs were doing initiations where they were doing random shootings. And he was in a McDonald's parking lot. And, um, they chased him out of the McDonald's par parking lot and he, through the streets of, of East Orange. And he finally got to his home where he thought he had lost him, jumped out the car, and they, quickly got up close to him and was able to shoot him while he was going up the steps. He had multiple gunshot wounds up his legs into his pelvis. You see, I had been exposed to violence before, but not that close. That was my friend. I went to Howard University, just right up the street. Um, I was a biology major and I wanted to be a doctor. My grandfather was a physician one of the first black physicians in New Jersey in the 1930s. I wanted to be like him. And so I decided I didn't want to go to medical school anymore. Uh, during my junior year, I got exposed to forensic science through the O.J. Simpson trial. I think people old enough to remember that one. Uh, O.J. Simpson trial made forensics on the front news. And right then I knew I wanted to be a forensic scientist, so I was able to become a forensic scientist for the FBI. I was the first black man in FBI laboratories in 1997. And during that time, I got exposed to these stories of violence. Story after story on the evidence of violent crime. It could have been a rainbow bright panties that I was looking for semen on, or a gun that was used in an armed robbery that I would look for blood on. And these were the violent stories that I would here on a regular basis. So while I was there, I made the decision that I didn't want to stay a forensic scientist. I wanted to go to medical school to study violence, to study violence as a public health issue. Um, and the best way I thought to do it is to become a forensic pathologist so that I could understand violence as a public health issue. So let me tell you, this was not the first time I was exposed to violence. But let me tell you, Mark, he changed my life. A couple years before Mark got shot, I was a first-year medical student. It was 1999. In 1999, I, uh, I was a first year. It was February, and I came home in between my studies. If you, anybody, a physician or been a medical student, you know you don't get much time to do anything, eat and sleep and study, especially that first year. 
And so in between, I came home and made something to eat. I lived in this big brownstone in Newark, New Jersey. I had a family uh, friend. I had the whole second floor. I was bawling. <laughs> and so uh, I like to watch the news while I ate. Breaking news, 23-year-old unarmed black man gets shot and killed by NYPD. Wait, I was 23 years old. You may remember the story. His name is Amadou Diallo. Amadou, Amadou Diallo was an African immigrant. He was a street hustler, street peddler. Little CDs, little uh, games he, 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 he sold on the street. And he was on his way home. And when New York Police Department was following him, he fit the description. So when he got home, they said, hey, listen, freeze, put your hands up. Let me see your identification. So he grabbed for his wallet to show him his wallet. He was shot at 42 times, hit 19. He had entrance wounds in the soles of his feet. He was laying on his back when he got shot. Amadou Diallo and Mark exemplified what that type of violence that black men see in their communities, interpersonal violence and police-sponsored violence. And so, I've been a medical examiner in New York City and Houston, Texas and Newark, New Jersey and Jersey City and now I'm the chief medical examiner of the nation's capital. And I've written multiple journal articles on the epidemic of African-American uh, violence in community and just wrote a piece on deaths in custody. <laughs> the tipping point. Somehow I feel it's not enough. Somehow I feel that I need to be doing more. That it's not enough to just count bodies. See, I've been a faithful man all my life. I wear my faith on my sleeve. I, there are people that still believe that there's a Jesus Christ. And so I'm faithful. And because of that faith, I felt like the only way to serve again is to serve through my faith. And so I've just been accepted to theological seminary for my Master of Divinity. And I'll be concentrating on urban uh, ministry because I believe reconciliation and restoration is is the preventative side of the work that I see and receive but I'm selfish y'all might be looking at me and saying no you you're a giver no I'm selfish because the reality of it is is that I don't do it for myself I'm Roger A. Mitchell Jr. I'm, I'm a physician, and you just heard I'm a minister. But let me tell you the, the most important thing I am is a husband to that wife over there, Angelique. And a, and a father to that son, Nathaniel. And a father to his sister, Nina and his brother Matthew, thank you so much.
That was Roger Mitchell Jr. Roger is the chief medical examiner of Washington, D.C., and is uniquely positioned to understand the social determinants that lead to the violence affecting our most vulnerable communities. He has a great interest in violence as a public health issue. He is board certified in anatomic and forensic pathology by the American Board of Pathology and is also a licensed minister, serving as a mentor in his local community. He often shares how drugs and violence have shaped his own life. He is a husband to his wife of 17 years and a father to his three children. Thank you so much, Roger. Our online live shows and podcasts will resume this week. You can check out both this Friday at storycliter.org. In the meantime, you can follow us on social media to hear more stories like Roger's, as well as stories about Black joy, science, and life. We are so grateful to Roger and to everyone who has trusted us with their stories. Mm. The Story Collider is also grateful for the support of Science Sandbox, a Simons Foundation initiative dedicated to engaging everyone with the process of science. The Story Collider is led by me, Artistic Director Aaron Barker. And me, Executive Director Liz Neely. We couldn't do this without the help of our Deputy Director Nissa Greenberg, Operations Manager Lindsay Cooper, and the rest of our amazing team. The story featured in today's podcast is from a show produced by Miriam Zaringhalem and Shane Hanlon. The podcast is edited by our podcast team, which is Jun Chen and Gwen Hogan. The theme music is by Ghost. Special thanks to Beer Baron for hosting the show. And to all of you. And everybody out there protesting. Thanks for listening. American Giant makes great clothing, sweatshirts, jeans, and more right here in the U.S. Visit American-Giant.com and get 20% off your first order with code STAPLE20. That's 20% off your first order at American-Giant.com, code STAPLE20.